Okay, good morning everyone. Bez <clears throat> Hashem, continuing our series, The Life and Torah of Our Leaders. Okay. And today, his Tesvav Tammuz is the yard site, the 277th yard site of Rabbi Chaim ben Atar who is known to us as the Arachayim HaKadosh, just for, um, just for uh, trivial, trivial sake, so to speak. Today is also the Yartzeit of the Shagas Aryeh, also well-known of our Gedailim. But today we're going to talk about the Arachayim HaKadosh, Rabbeinu Chaim Ben Atar. It's a fascinating, fascinating history and uh, figure in our history, the Arachayim HaKadosh, the fact that he's called HaKadosh. Not so many people have been accepted. The Alshech HaKadosh, we find. Um, others as well, but not so many um, Gedolim that have give, been given the name HaKadosh, accepted amongst Kla Yisrael. So we're going to talk about the Arachayim HaKadosh. There's so much, so much to say, and... The Chidah wrote about the Arachayim. The Chidah was a Talmud of his in Yerushalayim. And the Chidah wrote, even from all his Svarim, it was only a very small percentage of understanding who he really was. And the same thing is going to be with today's Shir. I'm going to try to put in as much as I can into the 40-minute slot that we have. But it's only a me'ain me'ain of what we could talk about. Sir Chaim Atar was born in the year 1696 in the country of Morocco in a city called Saleh, which is like the northwestern um, corner of Morocco. And he was born to the family called Atar, Ayin Tesresh, Ben, or in Arabic, the son of is always Ibn, I-B-N, and like the Ibn Ezra, it's not Evan Ezra, it's Ibn Ezra, Bavram Ibn Ezra, that was the son of, or the family of. And the same thing, Reb Chaim Ben Atar, his father's name was not Atar, his father's name was Moshe actually, but Ben didn't necessarily mean the son, or Ibn didn't mean the son, it meant from the family of. Um, Atar actually means uh, spices or spice sellers, and he was born to a very wealthy, wealthy family, a family full of yichus, traced themselves back to the Spanish Jewry, and in 1492, with the Spanish expulsion, the Atar family left um, Spain, part of them went to Holland, the other part went to Morocco, and even in Morocco, the two... two, uh, Parts of the family split, some were in this city, Saleh, and another were in a city a few hours drive east of them called Fes, F-E-S, I think that's how you pronounce it. Pesamach is the way that they write it in Hebrew. So he was from the Saleh Chalik of that family. His father, like I said, was named Moshe. His grandfather was named Reb Chaim Hazokein, Reb Chaim Menatar Hazokein, the elder, and Keminak Hasvardim, they named their children after live relatives. So he had the same, shared the same name as his grandfather, Rabbeinu Chaim ben Atar Hazokin. Now, when he was younger, he learned with his grandfather. He writes in the Hakdama to his Sefer, as we'll see, about the Sefer a little bit later in the Shir. The Sefer is called Chefetz Hashem. And in the Hakdama, that was the first Sefer that he printed, the Arachayim. And he writes that 
Asher of Shasisi Bermaim Chaim, I drank from his pure well spring waters, and I grew up on his knees, and uh, I was able to learn from him and to uh, draw from him midar chavatayvim from his good ways. And he writes around about his grandfather. That his grandfather, there was never a night that he wasn't already up by chatzis halayla by midnight. He only slept the first half of the night. He would say, Tikun Chatzois, Keisho Amana, like a widow crying over her husband, her departed husband, Bivchi Gadol, with great cries. And the rest of the night, says the Yarachayim, he would learn, either with me or one of his other grandchildren or relatives who were learning with him at the time, that's what he would do the rest of the night. So this was the Reb Chaim ben Atar Hazokin, the elder, the grandfather of our. Um, Arachayim HaKadosh. It, there's not a lot of time. If you're interested, you could go do some research into the history of what was going on in Morocco at the time. It was a very unsettling time for Morocco. Um, the king was very vicious over there. Um, and um, so in the year 1705, he was only nine years old, they had to leave um, that city of Saleh together with his father and his grandfather, and they went to the capital city, which was called Meknes, um, which is also east of uh, Saleh, um, maybe a little bit northeast. Um, and uh, it seems they went back and forth once or twice, and eventually they were again back in Meknes in the year 1706, and they were there for a, for a good tkufa. Um, at the, in somewhere along those lines, again, 1706, he was only uh, 10 years old, but uh, somewhere over the next few years, he got married to his first wife, who was a cousin of his, um, from the other portion of the uh, Atar family. And uh, her name was Fatsonia. Fatsonia. Now, um, they, they didn't have any children, his, him and his wife. And I couldn't get the details clear, but somewhere along the line, his wife convinced him to take a second wife. And it seems he had both wives at the same time. Kamina Gasvardim, they didn't have the Chaim, the Rabbeinu Gershom, of not marrying two wives. So from my understanding, he had both wives. The second wife was named Esther. And um, there's a big machlaikis if they had any children at all, his second wife. Some say none, and some say he had two daughters. And we'll see, this might be Nagia a little bit later in the shir. Um... But his, his, so some say it was 10 years after he married his first wife. Again, I don't have the dates clear in the two wives. The two wives, as we'll see, did follow him to Eretz Yisrael, and they are buried right next to him. I was Eichel to be at Arachayim's kever a few years ago on Haraz Eisim, and um, his two wives are mamish right next to him. They were nifter not long after him in Yerushalayim. Who was his father-in-law? His father-in-law was someone named Ramosha ben Atar, the same name as his own father. His father-in-law was very wealthy, and he was able to support his son-in-law, our Arachayim, and it seems he had it made. He had no problems with Parnassah. All he would sit and do was sit and learn. In the year 1724, 1724, so he's all of 28 years old, his father-in-law was uh, passed away, um, passed away um, suddenly. And he writes in the Hakdama to Sefer Chefetz Hashem, he writes, that there was a seven-year um, 
um, situation from when his father-in-law passed away. He says, It's seven years that HaKadosh Baruch Hu has taken from me, all that He had given me, from my, my strength, and from my wealth, from the time that my father-in-law passed away. And he writes, now, by the way, if you look in the in the Hakdama to say for Chayfetz Hashem, it's fascinating because almost every line, the way he writes it, is either based on a pasuk or based on a Maimer Chazal. And some of the newer versions, they have the citations at the bottom, and you see, like he wrote almost poetically, but everything was based on a pasuk, a play on words from a pasuk, or on a Gemara. So he writes, he left after him Kamagarvi Malayim Khamas Taninim, many barrels full with serpents, Varaish Pisanim and other types of uh, snakes. Umehemishkuni and he says the I had to drink from there. He says, if I'm gonna start telling you even a little bit about what I went through, ain't dai lichta ksasaraisi. It's not there's no time even, there's not even ability to write even a little bit of my tsaris. So he's being Miramis to us that for seven years from when his father-in-law was Nifter, he had terrible, terrible tsaris. Now what were the tsaris? Again, this was a massive, massive inheritance because his father-in-law was fabulously wealthy. So first of all, family members came and started Machlaikis, started arguments over the Arusha. Then a bunch of debtors came, Balei some of them were true and they were owed money, and others just came and they claimed that they were owed money. So they made tsaris for him. Then, this again, this was all in Meknes, in the, in the capital city. Back in his hometown of Saleh, he, um, there was a Misa that his father-in-law had given a certain family the Rishos to make a shul in what had been one of his storehouses. And they had some deal with them of how the expenses would work. So now the, the Arachayim wanted to go back to Saleh, and he wanted the shul back because he has nothing, and he wants to make yeshiva, he wants to learn Torah. Well, that family had a major machlaikas. They refused to give it back. They, in fact, the whole city of Saleh um, was split into two camps. And the Lajan over there was that he, even his good name was ruined from what was going on. After all that, then the government decided that they have to take their portion of the Arusha. So there was a, uh, a death tax, inheritance tax that they put on him. And then they said that his father-in-law owed money to the, to the, uh, to the, to the government. And at that point, he had been cleaned out. Hibamish didn't have anything left, Arachayim. So much so that the government put him in jail. They put him in jail because he wasn't paying the debts of his father-in-law. And eventually, he was freed from jail. But the deal was that he has to leave the capital city of Meknes. And he went back to Saleh. And um, he writes that Hashem... It's interesting the way, way he writes it. He says, I would have been lost if not for the chesed of Hashem through the medium of my father who fed me. In other words, he was saying Hashem is the one who did it. Who was his shliach? Who was the one Hashem sent to take care of me? That would have been my father who supported me. So his father was also um, a rich fellow. And he was able to support him in the city of Saleh. So, again, if his father-in-law was Nifter in the year 1724, so this means in 1731 is when the seven-year uh, Gehenim of his, so to speak, um, um, uh, was finished. And in 1732, while he was in Saleh, he was learning there, his father was supporting him, and that's when he published his first sefer called Chefetz Hashem. 
Now, the, 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 the Velt says that you pronounce it Chefetz Hashem. But there's a Sefer called Vizayis the Yehuda from a grandson of the Kafachayim who he proves from the title page and from the preface of, of the Sefer that it's really Chafetz Hashem. Chafetz Hashem. What's the difference between Chafetz Hashem and Chafetz Hashem? Both have to do with Psukim. Chafetz Hashem means like the will of Hashem, the Ratzon of Hashem. Chafetz Hashem means the one who desires Hashem. The one who desires life. So he writes that the, the title wasn't, this is the will of Hashem. The title was about the Arachayim saying that I'm yearning, I want to have a connection with Hashem. So that's just an interesting uh, tidbit on how exactly you pronounce the name of the Sefer. We'll talk about the Sefer as, at the end, towards the end of the year when we get to his Svarim. In 1733, about a year later, he left uh, Saleh and he went to Fes, as we said, that was where the other half of his family was from. And over there, he was there for a couple of years, about five years. And there is when he really wrote his Sefer, the next Sefer called Pre-Tayar, which we'll talk about, and most of his Sefer, the Arachayim and Chumash, that he's famous for. In the year 1738, there was a terrible, terrible famine in that region. Many, many people died, and, um, and uh, whoever was able to survive, they left the region. And um, he um, ran away to a city um, which is in the northeast of, um, the northeast of Morocco, and I'm just... Trying to find the name of the city. Um, I had it here. Um, I'm sorry. It, uh, I think it's... One second. Let me see if I can find it quickly. I apologize. Um, okay, I forgot the name of the city. Uh, Tetuan or something like that. Um, which is uh, like all the way in the... Um, if you look at a map of, of Morocco, it's it's like on the uh, all the way in the northeast almost on the, uh, on the Mediterranean, Ocean, uh, Mediterranean Sea. And um, at that point, so he had run away, at that point he decided that he's going to, um, to leave Morocco and he's going to go to Eretz Yisrael, to Yerushalayim. Um, he left in 1739 and he went, the first thing, he's continued east along the north coast of Africa and he went to Algiers in Algeria. And over there, there was a very big um, Jewish community there, and he was he was welcomed with a covered rav. And um, again, he still had his svarim; they hadn't been printed yet, but he had written them. And he asked a, the rabbanim of the city for askama, and from they wrote over there, Maroyselikim Roinu, just to describe who he was. We've seen like a vision of Hashem, and they write about him. He learns Lishma, and they write that about such a person, you should make the bracha, Baruch Shecholak Mechachmasi Lereyav. The bracha that you recite on a Talmud Chacham, um, that HaKadosh Baruch who has given some of his wisdom to, to his those who fear him. So they write in the Haskama, I think to the Arachayim HaKadosh, that on such an Arachayim you could make such a bracha. So the, he was in, in, the, in, in Algiers, and from there he crossed the Mediterranean to Livorno, Italy, and also there was a very, very big bustling city over there, and he was accept, he was welcomed there as well, and he ended up staying in Italy in Livorno for 
two years. Why did he end up staying there two years? Because that was a central place, and there were a lot of Jews there, and there was a lot of money there, and he was able to actually print his Svarim. He was able to print the Sefer Pre-Tayar and Arachayim in Italy in those two years. Um, it seems he, he, he gathered a, 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 specific, a certain following, and in the year 1741, Rosh of, he decided it's time to go to Eretz Yisrael, and he left Italy with about 30 Anoshim, Noshim, Vitaf, men, women, and children. So he had a little bit of an entourage that he convinced to come along with him. And he left to go to Eretz Yisrael. And there were a few stops on the way. Um, the boat was actually supposed to go to Yafo. But instead, the, the, the captain decided he's going to go even more north to Akko. And they were at first very upset about it because they wanted to be more in Eretz Yisrael proper. But eventually it turned out it was a Hashkach uh, Pratis because at that time in Yerushalayim and Yafo, that whole area was a tremendous magefa. There was an epidemic. People were dying, dropping like flies. And it would have been totally, very dangerous for them to, to uh, come ashore in Yafo um, during the epidemic. So once they were all the way up in the north in Akko, they didn't have any problems. So they got off in Akko, and since there was this epidemic, they couldn't go to Yerushalayim. So he was in numerous places. He was in Sfas, he was in Tveria, he was in Akko, he was in Pekin, different places he was in the north. And actually, it's interesting because he traveled around to many of the Kvarim in north of Eretz Yisrael, of Tanoim and Amiroim. And um, there's, um, there's recordings from his Talmidim of all the different places he went um, to different, um, different um, Kvarim. In 1742, at the end of 1742, the Magefa. The epidemic was finished and he was finally able to go to Yerushalayim. Once he came to Yerushalayim, the first thing he did was he established a yeshiva called Knesset Yisrael. And Reb Chaim Palaji writes an interesting thing. He says that the Rechaim HaKadosh himself in Parshas Kisavoy, and the words, Kisavoyu Aretz, when you'll come to the land, Unetatem Kol Machal, and you will plant a fruit tree. You'll plant a fruit tree. So says the Rechaim over there, the fruit tree is, um, he writes, Iker Knisa when you come to Eretz Yisrael, your main reason for coming, Tia Lintoya Eitz Michael, should be to plant a fruit tree. What's a fruit tree? Shehem B'nei Torah. So he writes, he's saying the Rechaim in his Pirish, so when you come to Eretz Yisrael, it should be to plant and to be Maimed B'nei Torah. So Rechaim Palaji writes, he was a no Doirish Umekayim. He practiced what he preached. Here in Rechaim, he says, that's why you should come to Eretz Yisrael, to establish Torah. And the first thing the Rechaim did when he came to Yerushalayim was he made a yeshiva with Talmidim. He should be able to learn and to teach and to, and to, and to uh, learn Torah. Now, we'll talk about... Um, We'll talk about the yeshiva um, in a little bit. Now let's talk about his svarim. The first sefer, as we said, was called Chefetz uh, Hashem or Chafetz Hashem. Now even though he was about 36 years old when he printed it, but it seems that many of the chedushim from when he was younger, he says something in the Akdama about it's been a long time since I'm 13 years old. It sounds like maybe some of the chedushim were from when he was younger at, at that age. Um... But it's very clear from all of his svarim that he stresses that he wrote the Sefer when he was young. Anywhere else he quotes what he wrote in this Sefer, and he quotes it many times. He quotes it in, in Arachayim, in Bamidbar, um, Tesvav, Lamed Beis. He writes, 
And I explained this in my Sefer, Chefetz Hashem, Shechibarti Bimei Churfi, that I composed when I was young. In Vayikra Tezai and Aleph, he also says, Ayin Mashakosavti in Chefetz Hashem Bimei Churfi. Um, numerous, numerous places where he quotes it in other Svarim as well, he, he, he stresses that he wrote it when he was young. Now sometimes he retracts from what he said, sometimes he agrees with what he said, but whatever it is, he stresses that he wrote it Bimei Churfi when he was young. What is the Sefer Chefetz Hashem? The Sefer Chefetz Hashem is a Sefer and Gemara, and it's Pshat, simple understanding. And he writes that he clearly does not want to get involved in Psak. He doesn't want to bring from the Paiskim. And every time, any time he does quote any of the Paiskim, he says, really, I'm not supposed to be bringing from the Paiskim. That's not the the uh, the point of the Sefer. But here it's it's Negea to Pshat. Only if it was Negea to Pshat. Now, we mentioned that... Um, we mentioned before that he, he printed the Sefer in 1732 in Saleh when he was being supported by his father. Um, it seems from the Haskamas of the Sefer that he had some type of yeshiva um, because they, 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 they write about him that he has a yeshiva here. And uh, numerous places he also mentions the Talmidim's questions. And he writes, or Echad Mibali HaYeshiva Tirates, one of the people of the yeshiva answered, um, and so it sounds like, you know, he did have a bismajish with the yeshiva. Now, even things that it doesn't, it's interesting, even things that he doesn't say explicitly that was a quote from someone in the yeshiva, um, sometimes is. For example, there's a place in Masech the Shabbos, he says a pshat. In his Sefer Arachayim, when he quotes the same pshat, he writes, Nishalti, I had been asked a question, and this is the answer I gave. In the Sefer, Chefetz Hashem, he doesn't say it was an, someone asked him. Sounds like it was, it was his own. See, but we see here it was clearly, there was um, a lot of give and take that, um, that contributed to the Sefer. Um, one thing also he, was, he, was, he, 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 he stressed was, Pshat la'amito shaltari. He wanted to get to the emes. That was what he was about. What is the emes? And numerous places in the Sefer, he stresses that. Like one place he writes, this, the first explanation, is more of a pilpul. It's like more of a alumnus. And the second explanation is yoiser amiti, is more emes. And numerous places like that, that you see, and he, and he stresses that he wants to get to the emes, the emes of Torah. Now it's interesting, in the Hakdama he writes something fascinating as well. We, we quoted the Hakdama a few times already. In the Hakdama he writes another thing. He says, if you're going to look in my Sefer, you're going to see something that's very inconsistent. Sometimes I, I, um, I'm very short on, on something. And sometimes I write very lengthy. Sometimes there are things that I should have gone into when I don't. And he says, you know, sometimes there's a... I, I'm just saying, sometimes you get into a Sefer and there's like a rhythm to the Sefer and you could get the Mahalach of the Sefer. And he's writing the, about my, his own Sefer, it's inconsistent. And he writes, the reason is, for the following reason, he says, the first thing he says, Anything I learned in my life was only The reason I learn is because I love Hashem and I have a desire for Torah. He says, however, from the day that I was born, I, my life was filled of tzaras. And things that I thought were good turned into terrible things for me. 
Now, when you know the story, like we said before, he had this fabulous wealth from his father-in-law that he thought was going to help him, and look what happened. It became a, a terrible thing for him. And he says, I, I went through so, so many terrible times, he says, but still, I never stopped loving the Torah. And if I would have one or two days of respite from, from my tzaras, I would run to the Sefer and I would start writing a little bit. And Mimele, it depends, he says. Sometimes I had more time, I was able to write longer. Sometimes I didn't have a lot of time, I had to write shorter. And that's why he says, you'll see my Sefer is very inconsistent because my life was so full of ups and downs. And he writes, where did I learn this from? He says he learned it from his grandfather, Rabbi Nuchayim Hazakin, his grandfather, the elder Rabbi Nuchayim. And he writes, he also didn't have such an easy life. But he always made sure to sit down and learn, no matter through whatever, whatever he went through. And he says that I learned this from him. So the Archaim here is being Maramas that his Sefer also it was, a, was a carbon, so to speak, to the situation that he was in. And that's why there's these inconsistencies. But you see who he was. He wrote that I only want to learn Me'avas Hashem or And that's why he wanted to get to the Emes of Torah. It was all learning Lishma like the Haskamas that the Rabbanim had given him, that he learns Torah Lishma. So the Sefer Chefetz Hashem is on Masech the Shabbos, Brachas Horius, and part of Chulin. But he writes that I stopped writing on Shas. He says, because I really, my desire is to write on Shulchan Aruch. Why? Because I've changed. Now I've chosen a different derech, the derech of Slika Shmaitz Aliba de And that is Paskening Halachas. See, even though the Sefer Chevetz Hashem, he didn't go into Psak, it was only Pshat, it seems in, in, in mid-stride, he decided to change his Mahalach, and he's going to now want to write on Shulchan Aruch, because he wants to write on Halacha Lemaisa. Which brings us to our, his next Sefer, which we said... In 1733, between 1733 and 1738, he wrote it in the city Fes, um, in uh, the, the Sefer pre The Sefer pre is a Sefer written on the Sefer pre The pre was from the big Paiskim. He had been Nifter in 1699, which is when the Arachim was three years old. And um, the Sefer pre is actually questions he's writing on the uh, Sefer pre And he writes, why did I write a Sefer to like schlug up and to ask questions on the pre He says, first of all, the pre derech yosherloi. He has a straight way of thinking. So it sounds like, like he felt that that's like a mahalach halimut for him. And the second thing is, the Prichadosh very much argues on Rishonim and asks questions on them and, and fights Muhammad against them. Um, and uh, the, the Archaim felt that it's his job to defend the Rishonim from those questions and from those arguments. And that's what the Sefer Pritayar is, to defend the questions that the Prichadosh, um when he argues and he, he does away with, so to speak, the Psakim of earlier ones. Um, the Chidah, his Talmud writes that when they were in Yerushalayim, they went to Harazesim, and the Prichadosh is not is buried not far from from the Arachayim. I actually mamish stumbled across it. I was going to the Arachayim Hakadosh's kever, and on the way I passed, I noticed there's the Prichadosh there. They're not far from each other. Mamish close, but not very far. 
And um, so the Chida writes, we went to Harazetim, and the, the Arachayim stood by the pre-Chadish's kever by himself. He, we, we, we already moved on, but we saw he stood there for about 15 minutes, and he was, his lips were moving. And the Chida writes, we understood that he was asking Mechila from the pre-Chadish for writing a Sefer of Hasagos to argue on the pre-Chadish. However, we understood that he was telling him that L'Shem Shemaim Niskavin. He did L'Shem Shemaim. He wasn't Chas V'Shalom coming anything personal against the Prichadosh. So Pre-Tayar is a Sefer on Prichadosh, but it's only from Simon Aleph in Yaradeya to Simon Kuf Chavbez in Yaradeya. Um, and that's the Sefer Pre-Tayar. The, the, um, the next Sefer, I'm going to do the Arachaim last, even though it, like, it was printed um, earlier. Because that's the one that he's known for. His next sefer is called Rishayin Letziyayin. Rishayin Letziyayin, Kishmai Kainu. He writes, because this is the first things that I learned in Yerushalayim, in Tziyayin. And this is what he learned in the yeshiva in Yerushalayim. Now, it's interesting the, the, what he decided to do in Yerushalayim. So again, Sefer Chefetz Hashem, Pshat, no Psak. Then he moved to Pre-Tayar because he wanted to do Psak. And now in Yerushalayim, he did something totally, not totally different, maybe a little bit of a mixture. He made his yeshiva, and um, the, they're going to learn, and they're going to go through Shas, and explain all of Shas according to Shitas Harambam. That there should be no question from anywhere in Shas on any of the Psakim of the Rambam. That's what we're going to do. So this is sort of, uh, maybe it's a mix, because first he learned Pshat, and then he learned Psak, and here he's doing both. He's, again, the Svaradim go with the Rambam, and uh, a very uh, a lot, and therefore he wanted to write a Pirush on Shas according to Shita's Harambam. Um, well, how did they learn that Yeshiva? So they learned Mibayker at Erev from morning till night. They learned Bikdushiv Tahara with Talis and Tefillin. There was nothing, you didn't leave, there was no breaks. They didn't go out for anything except to eat. And even then, they didn't go out to the courtyard. They went to a little corner of the Bismajish or right outside the Bismajish, but not into the Chatzar. Ate very quickly and came right back in. They didn't talk any Divrechal, no Dvaram Betelim. They were learning Mamish Bikdush of Tahara, and, and uh, this was their Mahalach Halimud. And. Um, he was he was nifter as we'll see um, less than a year from when he came to Yerushalayim, less than a year from when he came to Yerushalayim he was nifter. So that whole yeshiva didn't last very long. His talmidim put out the Risha and Litziyah after he was nifter, which is on seven mesechtas. And it's interesting to note it would seem that mesechta mayid katan, mesechta mayid katan, might have been the last mesechta he was learning at the time. Because on Davdalit in Mayid Katan, he writes that I have a riot to what I'm saying because I saw in a dream on Chaf Tes Iyar. Now again, he was Nifter Tes Vav Tamas. So it's just about two um, uh, um, Iyar, so Sivan Tamas, about six weeks before he was Nifter. He says that I saw in a dream a raya, and when I woke up, I remembered it and I wrote it down. So it sounds like Mayid Katan might have been the last Masechta that they were learning. Remember, it was, it was only there for less than a year, so it was only one year. Um, so 
the Talmidim put it together after he was Nifter. There's some other Kuntresim in the back. There's a Pirish on part of Yaradeya, Reish Mem to Reish Sadi Gimel of, of Yaradeya. There's a little bit on Nach and Megillus, and a couple of other things in the back of Risha and Litzian as well. But that was the Sefer that he put out in, um, in, uh, from his learning in Yerushalayim. Now let's talk about his, 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 what he's known for. That's the Arachayim, the Arachayim HaKadosh. So in, in Agdama Tarachayim he writes, why did I call it the Arach Chaim, the light of life? He says, because there's a lot of iris in the world, there's a lot of light in the world. There's the light of a candle, the light of the sun. He says, but this are this light is Chaim. This light is from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, who is called Chaim. And this light is called Chaim, is also the light of Tyra, which is called Chaim. And the light of Tzadikim, which is called Chaim. So you shouldn't mix up which light it is. This is the Ar HaChaim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Taira, and Tzadikim. That's why he called it Ar HaChaim. Now, it's interesting. The Sefer Ar HaChaim almost took off more by the Hasidim than it did by the Svardim. I think the Minchas Elazar writes that when he visited Eretz Yisrael, he noticed that the, the Svardim weren't so big into the Ar HaChaim. But the, as the Chidah writes in Poland, and um, and Eastern Europe, the Arachayim became something major. And if you wouldn't know anything, I say jokingly, if you wouldn't know any history, you would think the Arachayim was a Hasidish Rebbe. All Hasidim, they all learn Arachayim. It's a major safer by them. Some say it's 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 on the same level of learning Zayar Akadish, you learn Arachayim Akadish. Um, there's quotes from Rebbe's like that. Um, now, how exactly that happened, it seems something to do with the Baal Shem Tov. The Baal Shem Tov lived at the same time as the Arachayim, obviously somewhere else in, in Europe, but they seem to have, the Baal Shem Tov may have known about the Arachayim, and it seems he said something to his Talmidim. That's how they say that it took off in, uh, in, in, in the Chesidish circles, that, the, that they learned the Arachayim HaKadosh. Um, and um, they were, so, so the Chida writes that in Poland, they learn every week, they learn the Arachayim HaKadosh. It's a, it's, 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 it's a, it's a big avoida by the uh, Eastern Europeans. Um, now, um, w- just to bring things a little bit of a full circle, if you remember we talked about the Tepliker, Zechrayin Levracha, a few weeks ago from Yerushalayim. I didn't mention it in the Shir there, but the Tepliker also had a special place in, in, in his learning for Arachayim HaKadosh. He knew it Balpeh. He used to give a Shir, um, Balpeh, word for word from Arachayim HaKadosh. And he was constantly going to the Kever, and anytime anyone came to him for a bracha, to daven for a chayla, he would go to the Arachayim HaKadosh's Kever and daven there. And if the person had a refuah, he would say it's the schus of the Arachayim HaKadosh. So, you know, add in another um, a wrinkle, so to speak. You have a Svardi, the Arachayim, you have the Chesidim, you have the Tepliker, a Yushalayimer. In, uh, in the Second World War, when uh, Hitler Yamach Shemai was threatening with Rommel to, to, to uh, as they were conquering uh, North Africa, and they threatened to come and annihilate the Jews in Eretz Yisrael, so Rav Dushinsky and others, they, they made a Yom Tzfilah today on Tesvav Tammuz at Arachayim HaKadosh's Kever, and uh, about 10,000 people, it says, there came to Arazesim, and there was a very big Yom Tefillah. It's interesting that they chose to come to the Archaim HaKadosh's Kever, and the Taka, as we know, there was a Yeshua. Um, the Nazis never made it to, uh, to, um, to Eretz Yisrael. Rav Mendelssohn, who was the Rav of Komimios, well known for the father of the Shemitah movement, was once at a Levaya of a Yid, Rav Dovid Sharfever, or something like that, 
and he mentioned to the Lev Simcha of Ger that the Nifter didn't have children for a long time, and the Imre Yosef of Spinka told him that there's a certain piece of Arachayim HaKadosh he should learn every single day, and he'll have a Yeshua, he'll have children. And um, Hitaka did, he had children, but he, he forgot which piece it was. And um, the Lev Simcha told the Rav, Mendel, Rav, uh, Rav Mendelssohn that the whole Arachayim is a skula to have children, any piece in Arachayim. And this goes back to what we mentioned in the beginning, because says said the Leif Simcha, since the Archaim didn't have any children himself, his kayach, his power of giving birth, of procreating, of having children, he put into his sefer. So if you learn from anywhere in the sefer, you could draw from there. Like we said, some say he had two daughters. It sounds like from the Leif Simcha, he didn't have any children. The Arachayim HaKadosh, the Divrei Chayim from Sanz, has a tshuva in Chelek Beis, Yaredea, Simen Kufhei, where there was a certain Melamed of a city who said that the Arachayim HaKadosh was not written with Ruach HaKadosh. And they asked him if that person is an Apikairis. And he has a tshuva about it, the Sanzer. And he comes out and he says, it was Nichta Ruach HaKadosh. He writes that the other Mechabram also, it's interesting tshuva, but he writes, yes, the Melamed is an Apikairis and you can fire him how much to pay him and his wages, he talks about that. But he says, if you deny the fact that Arachayim HaKadosh was written with Ruach HaKadosh, person's an Apikairis. Um, my shver told me that, that, and I saw brought down as well, that the Arachayim once said, he had Gili Aliyah Navi, who told him that Mizmer Sherliyah Mashabas on Friday night should be said by Amida standing. You see, by the Chassidim a lot, they stand. By the Litvish a lot, they sit by Mizmer Sherliyah Mashabas. Supposedly, um, they bring down that the Arachayim, I, don't, I didn't find it in his Svarim, but I saw brought down who it was quoted from, that he said he had Gili Aliyah who told him that this, uh, it should be said by Amida. Um, just to end off, when you, when you now have a picture, and this is just scratching the surface, a picture of who the Arachayim was, now let's read the famous words. And I remember when I was at his kever, these are the words that I said there at the kever. His famous words in Parshas Kisavoy, and the Pasuk of Isamachta Bechol Atoiv, Ein Toiv Alatayra, says the Arachayim, Shem Hayu Bnei Odom Margishim, if people would feel the sweetness and the enjoyment of Taira, they would go crazy. They would run passionately after it. Nothing in this world would mean anything to them, not gold and silver. Because all the good things in the world are in Taira. And when we see who the Arachayim was, he says he only learned that he had all the money in the world. And look what happened to it. He's the person who says that if he would really taste the Torah, a person would go crazy from it. So, as Reb Chaim Falaji said, you get a picture and that who, that's who the Arachayim HaKadosh was. As we said, he was Nifter less than a year after he finally got to Yerushalayim in the year 1743. He was only 47 years old. He was buried on Harazesim. His two wives were buried near him. And today, as we said, is his 277th yard site. As we see, Klai Yisrael has gone to his kever at an eighth sara. Usually today, Tesla of Thomas is a major pilgrimage to his kever on Harazesim. I don't know what's being allowed now in Eretz Yisrael, but I'm sure our being this error from his Torah 
open up our Chaim HaKadosh today, look at this week's parasha, look at any piece, say a, say, learn, learn a piece of his, of, of his Svarim, of his Torah, it'll be a schus for him, and Be'ez Hashem, he will be a Melit Yeshev for Klai Yisrael, we should be Zaycha, that we should only see Gulos and Yeshuas. Have a wonderful day.